Uh, I'm Dale Golden. I'm actually Bryant's dad, and uh, he asked me to uh, be a kind of a substitute for him this morning to fill in. And it's a great privilege for me. <clears throat> I got to have the opportunity to shake off a little rust and uh, share the word. But I, I thought when he asked me to substitute, you know what a substitute is? Uh, a, you know, you have a, a, a window with panes of glass in it. And if you take out one of the panes and you put something in to, uh, to kind of take care of things, I'll put it like a piece of cardboard or whatever, you, that's a substitute, all right? So I'm a substitute, but the old pain will be back next week. And <clears throat> so uh, over there. Anyway, let's get started this morning. Uh, <clears throat> he's not here. I can say that, so that's all right. Um, this is the 4th of July weekend. It, it's really... Uh, exciting time. Of course, it's a time for families. It's a time that we have barbecues and we get parades and we got uh, all kinds of things, fireworks. And uh, but really, <clears throat> July Fourth, we're celebrating uh, the birth of a nation. We're celebrating the Declaration of Independence that was signed on July Fourth, seventeen seventy-six. When it comes to things like that history, I, I'm I'm kind of a history buff. I like history. And uh, one of the things I think helped us to really uh, fall in love with history, when I came to Florida, that was back in the uh, 1970s, that's ancient history for some of you, uh, but in the 1970s, uh, I had three children, went to Bible school, and uh, so then for many, many years, as, we, as our family grew, uh, we would take a vacation once a year, and usually our vacation consisted of traveling up to Maryland and Pennsylvania, which was our home, visiting our folks, and so the kids' grandparents. So we would, since that was our vacation, we thought, what can we do to kind of make things a little bit enjoyable for our kids and do something other than sit around in the home and uh, with the grandparents, which they enjoy, of course. But anyway, because now I is one, and so uh, that makes a difference. Um, <clears throat> but we would go to historical sites. We, uh, we went to Monticello, we went to Mount Vernon, we went, uh, you know, of course, Philadelphia, we went, uh, but I like to, we'd go to the battlefields, we went a lot of the battlefields, uh, Antietam, and, and of course, we went to Harpers Ferry, and uh, of course, Gettysburg, and uh, it, was, uh, it was an interesting time, and so we uh, really, we en enjoyed the history, but when I think of history, I, I, I think about those early days when, our, when they sat down and signed the Declaration of Independence. Have you ever thought about what it might have been like? You know, I, I, it, it's a little strange to think of these guys sitting around the table and saying, uh, what about starting a nation? How about we start a country? Got any ideas? You know, I... You know, we, we start all kinds of things. We start organizations, we start clubs, we start churches, we start companies, all sorts of things. Uh, but they were starting a nation. Now, one thing that they basically shared in common was that they were under a monarchy. And so because of that, they knew probably a lot more what they didn't want than maybe what they did want. But one thing they knew that they wanted, they wanted a representative government, uh, and they wanted to be the hallmark of this new nation, the hallmark of this new country. They wanted freedom, 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 freedom. That's something that they had not enjoyed. Now, our founding fathers were brilliant men. 
not perfect men. And if you read their biographies, you understand that they certainly weren't perfect. But uh, they had credible insight into the nature of freedom. And I believe that's what allowed them to do what they did. Uh, they understood that freedom existed apart from any document. It existed apart from constitution. But freedom was a gift of God. And the only way to maintain freedom was to have a relationship with God. And that's true whether it's an individual, whether it's a family, whether it is a nation. You abandon God. You abandon freedom. And, and it's interesting. These guys didn't even have the same view of God. Uh, they, uh, they weren't even in the same religion. But if you read their writings, you see that they understood that there is a relationship between national freedom and a divine conscience that is formed by divine law. And so they understand, the, as the, doing this new nation, the optimum environment was a system of government where civil laws would protect us from the abuse of freedom, while at the same time would inspire people toward a divine law, which is the proper application of freedom. They knew that freedom was a gift, but it's maintained, and it's not really maintained without having a relationship with God. Now, freedom is something that all of us want. Everyone wants freedom. I mean, we think even from the very beginning, we think as, as adolescents, as, as teenagers, uh, wait till I get my license. I get my car, I'm going to be free. Or wait till I get to high school. Wait until I graduate and I get out of high school. But all these different pursuits of freedom does not end the, uh, the pursuit. It doesn't stop there. We really rela uh, replace it with a different pursuit. Freedom from you and for me leads everyone to, to be for himself. It's every man for himself. And when it's every man for himself, then we really we lose freedom. So in a lot of the pursuits that we have, you really don't gain freedom. You really just replace that thing that you feel imprisoned by with something else. Now, this morning, we want to go to uh, the book of Galatians because the Apostle Paul, really, he shares with us the uh, purpose of freedom in, in a spiritual sense, and he shares the fact that freedom, it's not just freedom from, but it's freedom to. So, Galatians chapter 5, it should be on the screen. If not, if you have your Bibles. And uh, it, it's interesting. Our forefathers, they sat around as they, as they formed our nation. Uh, they had tremendous insight. Now, I don't know whether they were impacted by Galatians chapter 5, but I do know that a lot of these men, they had a deep understanding of Scripture. Uh, many of them were, were, uh, were believers. Many, a number of them were not, but they had a, a deep understanding, and it seems as though that they uh, were impacted by, by these truths. Now, Paul, in verse 13 of Galatians chapter 5, you, my brothers, in other words, he's talking here to believers. He's talking to those who are Christ followers. And he said, you, my brothers, were called to be free. 
Wow, that's good news because all of us want to be free. I mean, that's the root desire in our heart. I mean, a heart that may be filled with turmoil and restlessness and desires. I want to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the, the sinful nature or indulge the flesh. See, freedom that is disconnected from who it's from and what it's for it has a dark side. Uh, for example, um, it, it could, a car. You know, you, you want to have a car. I, I remember uh, I grew up on a farm, and so uh, we didn't, weren't able to go very far. Uh, I mean, I couldn't uh, walk out and catch a bus. I couldn't, uh, I, I was too far to walk. I couldn't go very, you know, couldn't go very far. But I was excited about getting my license because when I got my license, I got freedom. And so when I turned 16, I was at the Department of Motor Vehicles in Pennsylvania, ready for my examination by a state trooper, and I got my license. Now I'm free. Four weeks after I got my license, I drove my dad's car into a guardrail, and I found out that there is a dark side to freedom. And if you abuse it, you can lose it. And so that happened. You know, Eric B., some may have remember freshman year in college and realized that it maybe ended up a little short because you may abuse your freedom and you end up back at home with mom and dad. Because if we, sometimes we abuse freedom, we can lose it. Our prison system is full of people who have abused their freedom. But freedom without accountability will cause us to lose it. And Paul says this, rather, rather. Now, this is what you do with your freedom. Serve one another in love. Wow. This is what you ought to be doing. You ought to be, despite no one telling you, this is not a law. This is what you ought to be doing. You ought to be uh, serving one another in love. See, proper application of freedom is not self-indulgence. The, the question should not be, how close can I get to the line? You know, really, it, it should be, how can I leverage my freedom for others? Because freedom has been given by God and is to be leveraged for others. See, it's not freedom for freedom too. Verse 14. The entire law. Uh, in the Old Testament. 600 and some laws. All right. And the Apostle Paul said this. The entire law. Is summed up in a single command. And it's interesting. This single command is now. Don't do this. It's really. It's the single command is do. This is what you are to do. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, we're to serve one another in love. He said we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. This statement opens up a principle that, if applied on the national scale, can you imagine what would happen? Can you imagine if we leverage everyone leverage? Leverage our freedom in order to serve someone else, to love someone else, love our neighbor. 
Because, see, if it's just about law, the law is, is, is the baseline. The, you know, it's like I don't go beyond this point. If we're just going to follow law, I, I, I not, don't go beyond this, this point, this line. But he says in verse 15, and he's writing to Galatians. These are uh, Galatian believers. They were having problems of their own. And then in verse 15, which could really, I think our volunteers could use this for a life verse over in our preschool kids department. Because it says, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, that part especially, watch out. Or you will be destroyed by each other. You cannot separate, you cannot divorce the mandate to love from freedom, because if you do, you're going to lose freedom. You'll sink to the level of biting and devouring each other. And sadly, I think we see this a lot in even our nation today, of everyone devouring one another. There is a divine accountability to maintain freedom we must maintain faith in God. Verse 16. Now, this is what it looks like for the Christian. So I say, Paul says, live by the Spirit. Live by recognizing, you know, freedom's what, what we, is already true. All right? And recognizing it's already true. And then we maintain a divine conscience. That's what it is to live by the Spirit. That God is going to direct me in my thoughts. God is going to direct me in my actions. That divine consciousness. And he says, you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature or the flesh. The narcissistic desire to, uh, to pursue your own freedom. But he says, verse 17... For the sinful nature of the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want. In other words, you just pursue the wrong things. And our pursuits can never make us free. That freedom of, of acquiring more, of creating more rules, becoming whatever you want, with that kind of freedom, your whole life will scream, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. But, verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, if there is that divine consciousness, you're not under law. See, the law is the baseline. The law is, I, as long as I don't go below the line. But verse 18 and 19, he says, now here's what it looks like. If you're going to separate freedom from being truly a gift from God and maintain through a relationship with God, here's what it's going to look like. Verse 19. The acts... Of the sinful nature are obvious. Immorality. In other words, it's, it's about me. I'm free. I can do what I want. I can do my own thing. I'm not accountable to anyone. 
And that, in reality, is a God complex. Anytime we say that we're not accountable to anything, anyone else, we're saying, I'm my own God. I decide for myself what is right and wrong. I do whatever I want to do. And he says in verse 19, the acts of sinful nature, obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, putting anything else, uh, anything above God for, for the sake of freedom, and uh, witchcraft, and hatred, and discord, and jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, and it's mine. Uh, don't tell me it, it, it's not mine. It's not illegal. I, it, it's all about me. Dissensions and factions. Disconnect freedom from a, a divine mandate, and it's going to end up this way, whether it's in an organization, whether it's in a family, whether it's in a sorority, or whether it's in a nation. In verse 21, he goes on, and envy and drunkenness and orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And right away, some of us might say, whoops, that some of these things kind of hit home. I guess I'm out. But, but here's the good news. Christ died while we were still sinners. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? He you know, he died while we were yet in our sin. Um, the truth is, Christ, is it's not what we've done, but it's what he has done. He took the payment for that sin and placed it on himself and, uh, and took our place on the cross of Calvary. And uh, that's, that's freedom. He gives us freedom even for that sin. Verse 22, and here's what the proper, uh, actually, verse, yeah, verse 22, uh, this is what a proper understanding of freedom really is. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, what? What is it? Love. Not that I'm loving because, but the fruit of the Spirit, I now have got a consciousness of God. I understand he's the one that's given me freedom. I'm accountable to him. I'm responsible to him. And if I'm going to be led by the Spirit, then the result of that, the fruit of that, is going to be love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Now, and right after that comes a little phrase that we often overlook. It's a phrase that uh, I remember when I read this the first time years ago, I was reading the Bible and regulation, and my first thought was, what is that doing there? What does that really mean? Against such, there is no law, or against such things, there is no law. But what he's saying is, you can pass a law that says, don't, don't beat the pulp out of your neighbor. All right? Now, if Pastor Bryant were here, he would say, don't beat the crap out of your neighbor. You ought to wait for that next week. But you can pass a law, don't beat the pulp out of your neighbor. But you're not going to pass a law about being too kind. I mean, can you imagine? Hey, that kindness is getting a little too much. 
you better cut it off there. We're going to have to take you in. Hey, uh, patience. Now, you, you're, just getting, you're just going overboard with patience. And, we're, you know, you don't pass a law about loving too much or being too kind, being too patient. Uh, but you pass laws because of people who abuse freedom and do not submit to the fact that God's gifted us with that freedom and we're accountable to him and we need to be led by the spirit see the right the right expression of freedom requires a little law when we're expressing freedom for someone else you don't need a law against that it's not freedom from but it's freedom to there has to be an ought to we need to be thinking in terms of being the Spirit of God, this is what I ought to do. Not that I'm my own judge. I do whatever I want. See, the law, the law will never inspire you to go beyond what the law says. You actually lose freedom. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, when I see a sign that says 70 mile per hour, I've never been inspired to go slower. No. I at least bump up to the line. Sometimes I need to ask forgiveness. But anyway, law, see, law does not inspire. You actually lose freedom. And as we apply this nationally, our founding fathers didn't want divine law to become civil law because that would never work. I mean, there were deists, there were theists, there were all different uh, sorts of religion. But what our founding fathers understood was that the, with the gift of freedom comes responsibility. And there had then to be a national conscience. To inspire. And as a nation, the more we disconnect, the more we disconnect the fact that, that, that freedom was given to us by God and we're accountable to God, then there is a need for more laws. And as a result, there is less freedom. Our founding fathers wrote, of course, the Declaration of Independence. And this is a a tremendous document that gives us insight into the fact of what they understood about where our freedom comes from. The Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Stop a minute. Wow. In other words, what we're saying is we're not creating something. We're not creating freedom. We're expressing it. We're, it, it's just self-evident that all men are created equal. We're not establishing equality for everyone. When they established our nation, they weren't establishing equality. They were recognizing that under God, all men were created equal. And that they are endowed by their creator with a certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. 
Freedom is a gift, and when we are connected to God, it's going to inspire us. The law never did that. And it goes on. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled. And boy, this next part is big. Appealing to. See, it's not just freedom from, but to. Appealing to. And who's, who were these guys appealing to? The supreme judge of the world... For the, and he wasn't talking about the, the Supreme Court, talking about the Supreme Judge of the world. For the resitude, it's not something we use, but that word resitude means rightness or correctness. And he said that for the resitude or the rightness or correctness of our intention. Wow. Do you realize what our founding fathers were saying? They're saying, we are appealing to the supreme judge of the world that that our intentions, that which we're doing, will be right and correct. What he's saying here is that our desire, that what we do is God's will. Can you imagine our politicians doing that? You know, if we had our Congress sitting, sitting down today, we have a lot of big things, a lot of things they're considering. Can you imagine whether if we had the right side and the left side and the back side and the front side and every other side? Just say, hey, guys, you know, these are, this stuff's big stuff. And let, let's, let's, let's determine and let's, let's try to find that which is right and correct according to the divine judgment. That we're going to seek God's will. And he says that, that we do in the name and by the authority of good people of these colonies. Solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be. Ought to be. They didn't make a law and say it's going to, just what you have to do. Ought to be because the, you ought to be free and independent states. Because what we're doing is we're not creating a law to be free. We're recognizing that we're free because God has given the gift of freedom. And here was their application of freedom. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Said, I'm leveraging Everything I have, I'm willing to to risk my life, and I'm willing to risk all my fortune. I'm willing to risk my reputation on behalf of you, on behalf of our nation. That's not because of law. What was that? Because they recognized that freedom was a gift from God. And we're responsible to God. We're responsible to the mandate that we're to love one another. We have a responsibility to the gift giver. Freedom's a gift. And with that is responsibility to the gift giver. 
Without it, that's when we will devolve into that every man for himself, devolve into one, everyone biting and devouring and one another. It's trying to find national morality without divine responsibility. And let, let me tell you, there can be no national morality without divine responsibility. Because then, if we don't recognize God as the gift giver, then there has to be more law. And law never inspires us to greatness. For Christians, when it's just freedom from, and it's not freedom to, then we become more indulgent. In fact, uh, verse 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. In other words, it's not freedom in a vacuum. In other words, I can say, okay, I'm free. I can do everything. I'm, I'm going to put this little circle around me, and I'm, I'm free. And you can have your little circle around you, and you're free. And you're, but what happens, my freedom is going to bump into your freedom. And you're not going to feel as free. Your freedom is going to bump into my freedom. But that's when we look at freedom as just all about me, I, everything, you know, very self-consumed. Expressing freedom is realizing that it has been given by God and for other people. There's power when we leverage freedom for the sake of someone else, when we leverage our freedom for others. Now, I want to leave us uh, with a little challenge this morning, and I, I uh, as I told the other services, I get back to this point, and I realize we, I've got a clock that's tick, tick, ticking, and uh, so um, we are going to get ready to land <laughs> here shortly, and so it's time to buckle up. We're going to have to move uh, a, a little quickly, and I'll just leave some things, some challenges for you. Uh, number one, we, and before I say this, this is not in any way to be construed as political, all right? And right now I got you nervous. But uh, here, here, if we understand what freedom really is, we need to beware of leaders or organizations that want to extract God from everything. In reality, they undermine their freedom in attempt to be anti-religious. And I, we've all heard, oh, you can't mix politics with religion. Uh, George Washington, read George, he didn't have a problem with that. Uh, to him, it was to... You know, to not mix the two was un-American because it's the blend of these things. It's the blend with, with our, our civil government, the fact that, that we have a creator that has gifted us with freedom and would be a response. Yeah, that has to be blended with our politics because if you don't, we lose our freedom. Listen, it's, in fact, it's the blend of these two things that has made us, I believe, the greatest nation in the world. And might I go even further to say, not just the greatest nation, but the greatest democracy in all the world. Because democracy does not guarantee that you're going to be free. 
scripture is very clear of um, how important it is that we have a divine conscience. And if you take God out of our conversation and take God out of everything, that you just put out the flame of that divine conscience. Number two, quick. Embrace the ethic of ought to and not have to. If you're just if it if if it's just I have to, then you're gonna just follow the baseline and see how close I can get without going over. And that doesn't inspire inspire anyone to do anything. But with the fact that I've been freedom has come from God, I'm accountable to God, then I'm gonna do what I ought to, not what I have to. And and third, and I and I don't have enough time to go over this, and, and I don't want this to be misunderstood either. Um, but don't embrace tolerance. Don't throw anything at me. Don't embrace tolerance because tolerance gives up on love. Um, my wife and I have been married for 50 years. And, um, and I remember the first time I ever told my wife I loved her. First time she told me she loved me. But can you imagine if we said, you know, we really don't love each other, but we tolerate one another. Dear, I, I tolerate you with all my heart. And, with, to our, and my, these are our children. We tolerate them. Sometimes. <laughs> no, we tolerate, you know. But love gives, you know, it tolerate, toleration really gives up on love. Um. Because when you tolerate one another, you're saying, I'm going to tolerate you, but do not ask me to do anything for you. Do not ask me to help you. I'm just going to tolerate you. When you tolerate someone, that's easy to say, it's not my problem. We're tolerating one another, so whatever you have going on there, that's your thing. Whatever I have going, that's my thing. We just tolerate one another. I'm thankful that our nation was not founded upon the principle of tolerance for one another. Scripture says we're to love our enemies. We're to pray for those who persecute us. I'm thankful even in our nation. I mean, we have enemies. Wow. North Korea, China, Russia, all that going on. But you know what? As a nation... I am thankful there have been times when in these countries they have experienced national disaster. And what did we do? We said, too bad. No, both individually and nationally, we reached out and said, how can we help? Can we send a team in to help extract and find people? Can we send food? Can we send water? Are we... Are we different? Oh, yes, we are. Do we agree with one another? Not a bit. But we're to leverage our freedom for others and to love others. Um, We don't tolerate those different from us. We don't tolerate the atheists. We love them. We don't agree, and we want to share the message of truth and hope, but we, but we love them and 
want to share a message of truth. We don't just tolerate the Muslim. We love them. I mean, we can be two opposite poles <laughs> and uh, totally different and not agree at all. We don't tolerate those that have a different sexual lifestyle. We love them. I want to share with them a message of hope, truth. We're to love. And the last thing, don't simply leverage your freedom for personal gain. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'm free. I can do everything, anything, whatever I want. Um, <clears throat> listen, that, that's not freedom. That's a nightmare. And it never ends well. Uh, freedom really causes us to uh, get involved with other people. We don't leverage it for our, ourselves. We leverage it for others. It causes us to get involved and reach out. Um, as we're ready to close this morning, just remember, freedom is given by God and leveraged for others. My prayer for our nation, my, my prayer for us, that we'd realize that our freedom is from God and we're responsible to the gift giver. Um, for those of you that are Christ followers, believers, let me ask you this question. Who benefits? Who's benefiting from the freedom that you have? That's a probing question. Who's benefiting from the freedom we have? And are, are you in bondage that you don't have to be in? All of us desire freedom, whether we're a Christ follower. But even if you're here today and you're not a Christ follower, you desire freedom. But let me just share the fact that Jesus Christ came in order to give you freedom. To give you freedom from the devastation of sin. And he loves you. He loves me. He loves us so much that he was willing to give up the glory of heaven to come and to provide a way that, that we could be spiritually free, free from sin. Jesus Christ loved us enough to go to the cross of Calvary and to bear up on his body our sin to take our place. He offers you freedom, hope, and, and purpose, and a future. And all we must do is realize, acknowledge the fact, yes, I, I don't have to be convinced that I've sinned. But I believe Jesus Christ is who he says he is. I believe he's God who came in human form. And he came in order to die a death I could not die and to pay a price I, I could not pay and make it possible that I could have a life with him and have freedom from the bondage of sin and he always says was that if we believe we 
acknowledge our sin and believe that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. God paid it all. And we say, Lord, I, I don't, it's hard to comprehend it all. But I, I know that I could never do enough. I know there's nothing I could ever do that to save myself. But I believe that Jesus Christ made it possible through what he did on Calvary. And Lord, I, I believe and I trust. And I invite you into my life to be my Savior. And we will experience a life that is unshackled from the prison of regret, of impulses, wanting more, boredom, bitterness, uninspiring law. We experience passion that comes from leveraging our freedom for others. His truth will set you free. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for Jesus Christ who willingly gave it all on the cross of Calvary. Lord, I pray for our nation. I know that, Lord, we see a just a diminishing of that divine conscience that we need to realize that Lord our freedom is is from you as a gift from you and Lord I pray that we'll not lose sight of the fact that we are accountable to our gift giver I pray for our leaders I pray that they will understand it that they will realize that which has made America what it is and Lord, I pray for us individually. I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here without Christ, that this will be the day they'll invite Christ in their life. Well, thank you, Lord, for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen.